0: This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. This morning, we're going to spend some time going through the verses of Psalm 119. And I paused to see if anybody caught the oldest Bible dad joke that there is, because if I went through every verse of Psalm 119, we'd be here till three o'clock, because there's 176 verses, so I'm not going to put you nor myself, pretty much, through that this morning. But we're actually going to be reading in Psalm 19. But before we do that, would you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings on our life. Thank you that you care for us. Thank you that you love us so much and for the mercy that you extended to us. We thank you for this local community, and we just um, pray today that... um, I would just get out of the way. Lord, this is not about me. This is completely about you and what you want to speak to this church and this congregation today. I pray that you would guide the words that I say and that you would open the ears of the listeners and that um, we'd be drawn closer to you and um, your will and your way would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Psalm 19 was written by King David for the director of music in the kingdom of Israel during that time. And so for me, I find that really interesting because that is how I memorized this psalm as a kid. I memorized it to a song. And um, I would encourage many of you to do that with the Psalms. A lot of times, especially if you memorize them in the King James Version, they rhyme so well and you can put them to song and that's how I memorize them and the words still um, speak to me today. I have noticed that during the past few weeks, some of the speakers and then even myself, if you'll please forgive me, it seems like a lot of us have memorized Psalms in the King James Version. So when we're using the NIV, you might see something on the screen, and if it comes out of my mind from how I memorize it, it might look just a little bit different, but I'm going to try to stay with the script today. Um, Psalm 19 has three divisions, and so that basically gives us three easy points here that we're going to go over, and so they're going to put those on the screen, and I'll show all of you here at the beginning. The first part of Psalm 19 is God's revelation of himself in nature, and we find that in verses 1 through 6. The second point is God's revelation of himself in the law. And that's verses 7 through 11. And then the third point that we'll have today, and this really helps us wrap everything up into a great response, is because Psalm 19 ends with a response. And that response is a prayer for justification and sanctification. And so that's uh, the point and the place that we're going to be striving for today. Um, So let's start with the first part, verses 1 through 6, God's revelation of himself in nature. We'll read every single verse and and comment on them separately. Verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. I'll read it again. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the skies proclaim the work of His hands. So to declare means to express something forcibly and clearly. So the heavens and the sky declare forcibly the glory of God. We can't escape it. Every time we walk outside, we see God's glory. We see God's handiwork. handiwork. And then it also they declare it or express it clearly. We can understand. And then, all, then proclaiming means expressing something publicly. So every time that we walk outside, the heavens and the skies are declaring the majesty of our God. I've declared many things to my kids through the years, and sometimes I do it with force. These rooms better be clean or, and then whatever thread at that moment, I feel will work the best to get the room clean. I'm sure some of us have always have have done that. It's not the best parenting tip, by the way, but I have been guilty of doing that. Sometimes I do it clearly. These rooms need to be cleaned, and that means every item has a specific home space Nothing shoved under the bed, nothing shoved into the closet, clean floors, vacuum floors, dusted fan, dresser, and your closet should be organized according to the type of clothing that it is and color coordinated. Come on, that's an awesome way to live. I mean, can you imagine you, this is what I say, you should be able to walk into your room and just breathe in, breathe out, and just, it's, it's a safe space. Now, I know we're all different. I understand that. So, but, but think about that. The heavens declare the glory of God forcibly and clearly and publicly. Think about how after storms here in Oklahoma, how, how many social media posts you'll see from, t- from people taking pictures of the Oklahoma sky, the clouds, and the rainbows. It's something that is just awe-inspiring. Sometimes it looks a, a little bit scary. Sometimes it, it looks beautiful. But people like to share those things. And this is just a small example of how the skies declare and proclaim the mighty works of God. We can't escape from the beauty of creation. Even with everything that we've built down here with our concrete jungles, when you look up into the skies, God is being glorified by the heavens and the sky. His awesome splendor is always being declared. So I'm planning later this month to climb a couple 14ers in Colorado and so if I can make it up, and the reason why I say if is because I have a friend who seems to think that I'm going to struggle a little bit. And so my goal is to definitely not struggle at all, but we'll see how that goes. But part of the thing, of the thing that I'm looking forward to the most when I get up there is to see God's creation that awaits my eyes and how majestic God is The heavens and the skies declare the glory of God. We cannot escape it because it is forced upon us. It is clear and it is public. Second verse, and we'll read verses two through four. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. And we're going to stop right there because the next part of that verse goes into the next point. But as human beings, we proclaim and declare things using words, but the heavens don't have words to use, yet their voice goes out throughout all creation. So how is that possible? And so a small example is this past Sunday night at our home group, we, ha- we decided to have an international dinner from all the different places that people in our home group are either from or that their parents are from or that they've done missionary work in or are currently doing missions at. And so I had honestly never paid much attention to how diverse our home group was until the plan for this mill started coming in. We had menu items from Sri Lanka, Venezuela, Brazil, Germany, Paraguay, topped with Cane's chicken, cherry pie, bluebell ice cream from the United States of America. It was like all the people from all the other countries really uh, just went all out, and then us uh, from America, we were just like, let's bring out the pie and the ice cream. It was awesome. But for a moment, I paused and thought, honestly, this, is our, this home group is kind of a glimpse of heaven, As God revealed himself in nature, knowing that all of us would have barriers of language and culture here on earth, the heavens break down those barriers because they go throughout all the world expressing the same thing with their voice, that God is the king of the universe and that he is holy, just, majestic, and full of wonders. They proclaim how great God is. So just as our home group through our bond and love for Jesus breaks culture barriers between us, the heavens and the creation of God is just another example of God's love to us and his kindness that no matter our race, our belief system, our philosophy, the political glasses that we see the world through, that we can all come together and give God glory. Creation testifies to every sinner and believer. It's part of what unifies us as humans. And as believers, God reveals his glory to every one of us who walk on the earth, and we have in our own free will the ability to praise the mighty God that we serve. And one day, every knee and every, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So now let's uh, read the last part of verse 4. It says, "...in the heavens God has pitched a tent for the Son." It's like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is deprived of its warmth. So this part of the passage ends with an explanation that God has given the sun a home in the sky, in the heavens. And the sun rejoices as a champion runner and as a bridegroom about to meet his groom. I've experienced both of these in a way. I'm not, I'm not a champion runner, but I have. I like to run, and I've finished a couple of half marathons. And I don't know about you, but if you remember, if you've done that, when you finish your first one, the feelings can, can be a little bit overwhelming. I remember I was hurting. Uh, I was crying a little bit. I was proud. I was going to make sure that everybody knew that I had accomplished this goal that I had done. I was excited about it, and I was going to declare and proclaim I finished a half marathon. I've also been a groom about ready to meet my bride. I've cried at two weddings in my life, my own, and I cried at Titus's wedding uh, a few weeks ago. Um, because he did the same thing that I did, except a whole lot more expressive. But when my wife came around the corner and I saw her for the first time uh, there on our wedding day, just I could not help but smile. I could not help but have tears run down my eyes of joy because of the excitement that I had. And that's the same way that the sun expresses the glory of God. With the excitement as a bridegroom, with the excitement of a champion runner, the sun testifies to God's awesomeness. And then it goes on to say, the warmth of the sun is felt by everyone, so everyone will know how great God is and how much God loves them. God most definitely reveals himself in nature. If we as Christians did not have the capacity to witness to other people and to tell of God's love, the heavens have the capacity and they reveal who God is through nature. Then the second point, verses 7 through 11, God's revelation of himself in the law. Not only did God reveal himself in nature, but he also revealed himself in the law. So we're going to run through the six poetic statements that are found in this psalm about the law. But before we do, I want us to remember three things. Number one, the law was written originally for the people of Israel. Number two, the law was given as a baseline of God's holiness and standard in which boundaries were included, not to make the Israelites' life hard, but to protect them and to protect God's mission on this earth. It showed the nation of Israel and even us today the standard that God has and that that standard cannot be met by anything that we do. Number three, the law is even in this passage, is even prophetic in nature to God's mercy. The, the, the psalmist here shows that God's law no longer brings a curse, but instead is a mirror of God's mercy. Paul in the New Testament stated in Romans 7 that the law is holy, it's spiritual, it's just, and it's good. Remember, Christ did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. The law is good. And I'm going to go on a short rabbit trail here, but again, in Romans, Paul reminds us Christ's fulfillment of the law was not meant to give any of us a license to sin, but it was meant to show us and to give forgiveness from sin. So let's go through these six poetic um, passages here, starting in verse 7. It starts off, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The law of the Lord is perfect. That means it's spotless and it's holy and it's given for our well-being. Just as we drink natural water on a day, everyday basis, we, to to get refreshed, following the commandments of God refreshes our inner man. And I think of that when I was um, studying for this uh, sermon, I remember the verse in Romans where it says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, and the reason why I thought of that is because a lot of times when I'm not, when I've been in a position in my life where I've not been following God like I'm supposed to or like, I'm, like I need to, I have felt condemnation, not from God, but from the enemy, the enemy, the enemy of my soul. But when I am following the law of God, the commands of God in the, in the ability that I have to do that, it brings refreshment instead of condemnation. The inside, my inside feels joyful, it feels refreshed, it feels new. The second part says, the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. And I don't know about you, but there's not a lot of the things in this life that I find to be very trustworthy, but the statues of the Lord are trustworthy. And these statues that are talked about in verse 7 here is a direct reference, reference to the Ten Commandments. We can trust in these Ten Commandments knowing that if we obey them, there is blessing. And why is there blessing? Because the first four commandments in the Ten is all about our relationship with God and it being a good relationship, and how that we can show that we love him, and we respect him, and we honor him. And then the, se- then the last six parts of the Ten Commandments is our direct relationship with each other, how we love each other, how we honor each other, how we treat each other. And so those things are good. They're trustworthy. And then it goes on to say, it makes wise the simple. I feel like that the psalmist here um, was trying to explain that even though that there might be people in this world who we might would say, well, they're, they're more simple, that actually if they trust in the statutes of the Lord, that it makes them just as wise as anybody and even more wise because they have followed the statutes of the Lord. The next verse says, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Precepts are rules, and the rules of the Lord make our path straight. They're like a map. And uh, I thought of Matthew 7:13 where it says broad is the way that leads to destruction, but the narrow way leads to the heavenly kingdom. And so that's why God gives us rules, precepts and a map because it leads to eternal life instead of destruction. As I said earlier, I'm going hiking soon in Colorado and i've been lost before on a mountain, and it's unfortunately embarrassing, but I had to have at one o'clock in the morning there was a, ra- a, a ranger that had to come and rescue our team because we it wasn't that we didn't know how to follow a map it's because we didn't take a map in the first place how How dumb was that you know and so um, and th- that's a whole other sermon in itself read god's word, we have the map, so read it it tells us it leads us into a place that's uh, not uh, Not destruction, but uh, in joy. So walking in God's path brings joy. And I want to point out here that you can have joy in life even through bad times. The joy of the Lord is there for us in the good and in the bad because his precepts point us to his kingdom, which is not an earthly kingdom. And when we understand that we, that this life that we live here on earth is not the end, but that our goal and our end purpose is to live eternally with him we understand that the, the times in life here that that seem hard, that we can still have joy in them. James 1 even tells us to consider it joy when we face trials, because trials produce perseverance. And then we'll go on. The next part of that verse says, the commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. So in our Wednesday discipleship classes, if you've ever been in one of the classes that Rennie teaches, she always Tends to land on the subject in one way or the other on the subject of wholeness, spiritual wholeness, uh, physical wholeness, mental wholeness. I've heard our lead pastor say that part of the mission of Christian chapel is to see every person who attends and watches online to be on the path to wholeness. The Hebrew scholars point out that the radiance of God's commands giving light are in fact pointing towards the wholeness of man. So that means the commands of the Lord when followed make the mind, the body, and our spirit healthy, fresh, and clear. And we have to understand that when sickness comes in this world, when disease and sin and all these different things came into the world, it was because of a disregard to God's commands. But God in his mercy gave a solution, and his solution was his spotless son, Jesus Christ. And I know that this is an Old Testament passage, but again, it's prophetic. God knew what he was going to do, and Jesus Christ came, died on the cross for our sins, rose from the grave, that we could forever live in wholeness, that we have a way of redemption back to God. And that is what this verse is talking about: The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to our eyes that we can live in wholeness. The next part of this chapter says, "The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. When we fear things of the world, it brings anxiety, and I'm going to be transparent and honest with you this morning. a couple uh, in the last probably I don't know couple months, there have been a couple of times that I have woke up in the middle of the night and had anxiety. And I've not been a person who really has had any of that in my life. And as a pastor, I'm being transparent with you and letting you know that Satan is going about, he's roaring as a lion. He is trying to defeat us in any way possible that he can. And we are not supposed to fear and we have nothing to fear when Jesus is on our side. But the last couple of months, just because of all the things that are going around in life, and I have woke up just my chest being tight and just even just sweating and honestly fearing the things of the world that were going around. Thankfully, I know what to do. I started um, praying and saying the name of Jesus and proclaiming power there in my bedroom above all that was going on right there. And that passed after about three to five minutes. And I'm so thankful for that. But That is not what fear of the Lord is. That's fear from the enemy when we have anxiety. But fear of the Lord is the complete opposite of anxiety. The fear of the Lord is a feeling of refreshment. The the fear of the Lord is an acknowledgement of his lordship. It's an acknowledgement of his justice and judgment and perfect unity, that he has all power, all love, grace, and mercy. Instead of having to feel anxious, we can call on the name of Jesus and we are comforted. It is pure and unstained and it lasts forever. The next part says the decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. And so like, unlike, any other, unlike any earthly government in which they all fall short, even King David, King David was a man after God's own heart and even he fell short in the way that he governed because he was human. He wasn't God. He wasn't perfect. God's ordinances though that govern social life are true, they're just, and they're perfect. We've seen in our own country how hard it is for a man-made government to lead perfectly. Humans make mistakes, but God's kingdom isn't like that. It is firm. It is righteous, and we can depend upon His law. The law, the statutes, the precepts, the commands, the fear, and the decree of the Lord. It goes on to say in the next verse, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. And gold in the Old Testament was a symbol of wealth. And I don't know about you, but wealth sounds good to me. But these, the law of God is more precious than wealth. It's sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb which was a symbol of health in the Old Testament. So health sounds great to me too, but yet the law, the statutes, the precepts, the commands, the fear, and the decree of the Lord is better to have than all the wealth in the world and all of the health. And so now we come, and then it says, by them your servant is warned, so that's mercy, and in keeping of them there is great reward, which is joy. So now we come to the last part, which is found in verses 12 through 14, and this is our response. And so our response this morning is going to be a prayer for justification and sanctification. So the psalmist ends, because God reveals himself through nature. All throughout nature, we see his power, we see his might, we see his wonder, and we see the need to praise him. And because God reveals himself to us through the law, we see our need for redemption and salvation forgiveness. And so this is how we, how we respond here. In this prayer of David, when we pray, and we're going to pray it together here at the end, we're asking God for justification. God, the sins that I don't even know I've committed, please wipe them from me. Take them away. Make it as if I've never sinned. Justify me. Make me blameless. God, the sins that I do willfully Please forgive me of those. Take them away. Make me blameless as if I never had done them. And not only do we pray for justification, but in response to God revealing himself in nature, in response to God revealing himself through the law, we pray for sanctification. So from here on out, God, everything I say, everything I do, everywhere I go, whatever my hands find to do, I want to please you. And so here in a minute, we're going to start with the second part of that verse. And we're going to read those last three verses. And the band is then going to lead us in response. But I want to let you know, if there's anything that's been said this morning about God revealing himself in nature, if there's anything that's been said today about God revealing himself in the law, if anything has spoke to you about, um, you might say, I don't know. Jesus Christ is my personal Savior. I've never been redeemed. I don't know what it means to be redeemed, to be brought into a right standing with God. We have a prayer team, and they'll be in the prayer room, and you, when you walk out these doors, it's there to your left. Please respond to them this morning. I can't tell you how awesome and amazing it is to live for Jesus Christ. And if you're watching online, you can let us know at info@christianchapel.com. We would love for a pastor to be able to call you and to pray with you and that you could come to know the Lord as your personal savior. But also, you might be here in this room or watching online and you might know God, but you need wholeness. You don't feel like that you have wholeness in health, wholeness in mind, wholeness in spirit. Please respond to the prayer room. There are people there that would love to pray with you. And I do want to go back to um, if you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, there's three ways for you to do that. Three things that you need to do. Number one, you need to admit that you're a sinner. That's what I have to do on a daily basis. God, I'm a sinner. I'm not perfect. I'm nothing without you. I sin. Number two, believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again. That's what I do on a daily basis. Jesus, I believe it. I have faith. You died on the cross for me. You rose again. And then the third part is confess that he is Lord. And on a daily basis, that's what I do. Jesus, I confess that you are Lord of my life. You have control. I follow you. I choose in my free will to follow you in your pathway, in your path that you have made for me. And so if you'll stand with with all of us this morning, the worship team's about to lead us in a song of response, but I want us to pray this prayer that David wrote and prayed here at the end of Psalm 19. And we're gonna start at the end of verse um, 11 or the end of verse 12. We're gonna start at that part that says, forgive my hidden faults. So let's let's, uh, pray this together. Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.